What I like about Darrell Walker this week and why maybe he might make an appearance later on in the podcast is because oh, I like the Spoiler matchup. alert. It's called foreshadowing. We're building action. Mark's Labor Day weekend is in the books, and now it's all about the second half of the CFL season. It is crunch time on the field. What about crunch time in CFL fantasy? I would uh, suggest that for many of us, it's definitely getting down to crunch time if you want to win the grand prize. Welcome to another week of CFL Fantasy. Welcome to the week 13 edition of the CFL Fantasy podcast. Visit cflfantasy.tsn.ca where you can make your picks for week 13 and you'll be playing for that very unique Grey Cup package at the end of the year. The winner at the end of the 2019 season is going to win a unique championship ring along with a trip for two to Calgary with tickets to the Grey Cup a little bit later on this year. This week on the podcast, the Banjo Bowl rematch in Winnipeg, the Labor Day Classic rematch in Edmonton, Jonathan Jennings is back as a starting quarterback in Ottawa, how about Reggie Bagleton, business is booming in Bageltown for the Stampeders receiver, Vernon Adams Jr. and the Montreal Alouettes are coming off their bye week. All of that is on the docket for week 13. My name is Pat Steinberg in Calgary. Hannah Nordman is now on this side of the country in Calgary, which leaves Jeff Creever all by himself in Toronto. Business is booming in Bageltown. Hi, Hannah. I like that copy. Who wrote that? That's pretty good. That's a good line. Also, you said crunch time three times right off the top. You're making me hungry here. Come on. Can you limit the word crunch at least? It's a good chocolate bar. Speaking of crunch, which one? There are like three with the name Just crunch. Just the crunch in. bar. The crunch really bar confusing. is solid. The blue, and white, the blue and white chocolate bar is solid. The crunchy is... Crunchy That's the best one. That is the best one. Crunchy barely qualifies as a chocolate bar. It's more of a toffee bar. and It's just not for me. That's like eight-year-old me's favorite chocolate bar, though. Uh, I still like it. Chocolate-covered toffee, fine by me. But nothing beats the crunch bar, the blue crunch bar. We are way off topic here. Speaking of crunch time, Jonathan Jennings. That's the guy we're talking about right now. Because a few years ago, this was one of the biggest up-and-coming stars in the Canadian Football League. The discussion around Jonathan Jennings was actually, is this guy going to flee and go to the NFL? He was a star. He was putting up big numbers, 5,000-yard season. We were putting his name up there with Bo Levi Mitchell, Mike Riley, the biggest stars in the league. Lots happened since then. He became a backup. He's ready to start again this week. Getting the call for the Ottawa Red Blacks. Can he save Ottawa's season? Playing against a struggling Argos defense. First of all, before we look at this from a fantasy implication, is this the right move for the Red Blacks? I think so. I don't really, I don't know if they had another choice at this point. I mean, the Red Blacks are right now looking at a Montreal Alouettes team pulling away from them in that second spot in the East Division. It, it looks like Hamilton is going to lock down that top spot in the East. So if Ottawa want to keep, wants to keep their playoff hopes alive, they've got to be now all of a sudden worrying about somebody crossing over. So they've got to keep Montreal 
within striking distance. And Dominic Davis has had some really nice flashes, and there clearly is a high level of athletic ability, but it's just not working in a traditional passing game. Five touchdowns and 14 interceptions. I don't care how many rushing touchdowns you have on top of that. It's just not going to get the job done. So they needed to make a change, and right now the only other option that they have, the only other viable option they have is Jonathan Jennings. So yeah, I do think it's the right move. This is a game against a one-win Toronto team at home. They have to win this game if they want to keep their slim playoff hopes alive, and I just don't think that they could confidently go in with the way Dominique Davis has been playing and have him as their starting quarterback. So I, I, I do endorse the move. I really do. I agree. I think it has way less to do with Jennings and way more to do with how Dominique Davis has played. He gave up 17 points off turnovers in the first 10 minutes of the game. That game was over before you hit the end of the first quarter. Jennings wasn't excellent for the rest of the game. He put up 18 points himself, but it just was not good enough, and I don't think you can confidently roll with him when Jennings played a serviceable rest of the game. Well, not only did Dominique Davis have that terrible touchdown-interception ratio, uh, but Pat, you, you nailed it. He's not even running the football right now. That's been the thing. I, I thought we were going to see all season with Dominique Davis, the athleticism. Uh, I thought he was going to be the dual-threat quarterback that can rush for a 100-yard game once in a while, you know? And he hasn't even been a threat with his legs. So I, I don't know what's going on there, but I think it is time for Jonathan Jennings, too. And can we not all agree here that we're at least intrigued by this guy and what he's done in the past? I mean... He's done it before. Yeah, it's been a while, but there was a time when Jonathan Jennings was a really good quarterback. Well, I remember like when he when he took over midway through geez, it would have been what, the twenty fourteen season, whenever it was when he took over midway through that year. You saw flashes right away. And then he had a really good full first season as a starter. But it it just, you're right, it hasn't been the same since then. And it's been a long time since he's been a viable quarterback. But in saying that, we know that the athletic ability exists in Jennings. And I think from our standpoint, when we're talking about our game in CFL Fantasy, I'm really interested in him this week, and I'm usually the guy who wouldn't go down this road, but I take a look at the price tag on Jennings at $5,200, the matchup that he's getting against the Toronto team, that as much as they're showing some really good signs on the offensive side of the football, that's still a defensive group that is very susceptible. If there's a game for Jennings to succeed in, I think it's this one at home to the Argos. Right now, he's in my starting lineup for Week 13, and that's that's something that I usually don't subscribe to. A, a guy who's coming in and hasn't played a lot, and there's a lot of question marks surrounding him. I like that matchup. It's a risk, but I think there's a good chance of some points to be scored on Saturday afternoon in Ottawa. Yeah, that's very much too bold for me. The only... Thing that I like about Jennings right now is the price. If I had some very expensive receivers I want in, or maybe a couple of running backs that are right up there, I am not looking at Jennings as an option this week at all. So play it safe, Pat. Not living up to the usual moniker. Ready to take a big, ready to take a big risk. I can get on the same page. 
I like Jennings. I, I want to see. And this is a better situation for him. They're coming in off a bye week. Uh, he has more of a chance to be prepared. Uh, now he knows he's the guy. He's not subbing in uh, on an injury. He is the starter, so he can play with, I would hope, a little bit more of a leash and a little bit more confidence to know that one mistake, he's not going to be out of the game. And the biggest thing for me is, it's going to show. It's the work ethic. What's Jonathan Jennings been doing behind the scenes? You know, last year we heard about a little bit of a public blow up between Jennings. The agent was involved. Uh, Ed Hervey, um, and you hate to speculate because you're not there with him. You don't know how hard a guy is working. Basically, the, the debate was Jonathan Jennings. Does he work hard enough? Does he? Is he? the first guy in in the morning and the last guy to leave at night, right? And, and the Lions kind of saying, or Ed Hervey kind of getting at, yeah, that's not Jonathan Jennings. Ed Hervey doesn't call a lot of guys out like that. I know that they had the blow up back in the day with the Eskimos offensive lineman, Simeon Rotier. Um, but usually where there's smoke, there's fire, right? To me, Jonathan Jennings has all of that ability to be a dynamic quarterback. So if he's been buckling down, studying, working on what he needs to work on to get out of this funk and to be a, a really good high-end quarterback again in this league, there's no question that he can do it. So I'm really interested to see what happens against an Argo secondary that's been suspect, um, ha- putting some good halves together but not complete games, and really that's beatable on deep plays. Dane Evans completed 19 of 20 passes in the second half against them last week. So Pat's right. This Argo secondary is beatable. It's a great opportunity for Jonathan Jennings. I'm really intrigued to see what happens. Is he in my lineup yet? I'm kind of in the middle. I'm between you guys. Hannah's a no, Pat's a yes. Uh, I'm not sure yet. But I'll entertain the thought. All I know is this. If if Jennings isn't doing what you talked about, if he's not being that guy first in, last out, and if he's not really making sure that away from the football field, he's totally committed and, and putting everything into making this a successful run, he he's probably going to find himself out of the league here pretty quick. This could be the last chance for Jennings, maybe not out of the league, but out of the out of an opportunity to to be a true starter in this league. This could be his last chance to be a viable starter. This is a big opportunity for Jennings. Ottawa is anything but set going forward when it comes to their quarterback situation. Here's an opportunity for him to seize. Let's see if he does it. Agree with you there, and we've seen it before. You get one chance, sometimes you get a second chance. I haven't seen too many guys get three chances. That mm-hmm. third chance is, is pretty elusive. Let's let's turn it over to Pat to look back on a Mark's Labor Day weekend. What a Mark's Labor Day weekend it was. We only had three games in Week 12 over Labor Day weekend, but they were pretty exciting. All of them came down to the fourth quarter. All of them were in the balance in the final 15 minutes. Best was saved for last on Mark's Labor Day weekend. The top six scorers in Week 12 all came from Monday. Braylon Addison, 42 points. Darrell Walker, 41 points. They led the way in that Hamilton-Toronto game. Uh, Another strong performance from Reggie Bagleton. He had 34 points to round out the top three. Brandon Banks, 23 points also cracked the top five with Dane Evans and McLeod Bethel Thompson leading the way at quarterback that was a really high scoring contest between Toronto and Hamilton elsewhere running back Jackson Bennett broke out for the Ticats Bo Levi Mitchell had 14 and a half points in his return to action and Winnipeg's Johnny Augustine had 14 and a half points with Andrew Harris on the shelf as always definitely some disappointments in week 12 Markeith Ambles Armonte Edwards Nick Dembski Darvin Adams and 
Anthony Coombs all had three points or fewer. Eric Rogers, Greg Ellingson, Kyron Moore all disappointed as well in week number 12. We've got quite a race going on, by the way, atop the worldwide leaderboard. I like saying that, the whole wide world. Western Willie is back on top. They, I, I love it. It's, it's not involving me, which sucks, but I don't even care at this point because the drama. Western Willie and Paxton K going back and forth. Uh, 112 points for Western Willie this week, uh, taking an eight-point lead over Paxton K for the race. So really can't wait to see uh, how that plays out over the second half of the season. And, hey, they say the second half of the season starts Labor Day. I got booed for that last week. Hannah, thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. For the sound effects. Meanwhile, in a week that was boomer bust for most people, Bad Brad had the top score. That's a, that's a cool name. Piling up 169 points. So Bad Brad, thanks to the efforts of, get this, Darrell Walker, Braylon Addison, Reggie Bagleton, and Dane Evans. You just heard Pat's rundown? Those were the four. Those were the four top scorers of the week. He had them all. So yeah, that's that's bad, Brad. Uh, that was that was pretty bad in a good way. Um, of the three of us, Pat Steinberg, 113 and a half points, leading the way. Hannah just behind at 109, and uh, a very close. Well, okay, a little bit of space there. I, I'm lagging behind with 55 points. Really tough week for me. Didn't back up the talk. Could talk the talk last week. Said I was going to pass Pat and Hannah. I was getting close. I was getting close. Lost by about uh, 60. Braylon, Braylon Addison coming up big. My lock of the week. Didn't, didn't go with him. Darrell, Darrell Walker would have been nice. Hannah's lock of the week. Yeah. Dane Evans was my lock of the week. Also pretty solid. I was pretty happy with that. Yeah. Big big day for the Ticats. We'll talk more about Dane Evans in a bit. And that Hamilton offense, although they're off this week. Let's go to Hannah with the Fantasy Flash. We've got some news. All right. As we said, Red Blacks have announced that Jonathan Jennings will start in Week 13 as he takes the place of Dominique Davis as the team makes a QB change. Lucky Whitehead and Nick Dembski reportedly did not practice for the Bombers on Wednesday. No update from Mike O'Shea on their status, so it could be wait and see for anyone looking to get them in the lineup. Daniel Peterman and Rashid Bailey working on the first team offense at practice. Staying in Winnipeg, running back John Santiago has been released. It appears to be Johnny Augustine's backfield, though there are rumbles of a committee approach with Dembski and Whitehead also being involved. Moses Madu took first team reps for the Red Blacks on Wednesday, while John Crockett got some rest. Madu could be in line for the start Saturday versus Toronto. And we have a couple of signings. The Alouettes announced late last week the addition of Chris Matthews, while Saskatchewan is bringing back NFL cut Jordan Williams-Lambert. Chris Chris Matthews. Chris Matthews landing with the Montreal Alouettes. I, I thought he was going to be huge for the Bombers this year. Me too. Uh, they didn't seem to know. They didn't seem to know how to use their receivers too well because Matthews not doing much. Adams, even when he's played, hasn't done a lot. Uh, kind of a weird season for that Bomber offense. Interesting to see how he catches on with the Alouettes. Don't think he plays this week, uh, but it could be a big week for that Montreal offense against a BC defense. Now, contrary to that. The Lions' defense has been pretty good the last two weeks since acquiring Sean Lemon. 279 yards per game against Hamilton and Winnipeg. Not bad. Are we wary of this matchup for the Montreal Alouettes, or is it green light, get as many Alouettes in your lineup as you can against a team that's only won one game so far? I'm definitely in green light mode. Alouettes are the first guys I put in my lineup, and there's going to be not a handful of them, but... Looking like at least half my lineup here 
our Alouettes. I'm sticking in the East this week. I really like the matchup. Big Clay VA has made a believer out of me. I love what he brings. I think he elevates the entire team, everyone on there. Uh, I like the receivers. I like the defense. I like the QB. I'm all in. I know that BC had a decent game against Hamilton. They ended up losing that game 13-10. to I think that was a whole lot more of a lower scoring game than we all thought it was going to be back in Week 11. But before that, I mean... Take a look at the points they've given up. Uh, They gave up 13 against Hamilton, but in the five games prior to that, 32, 35, 45, 38, 33. Like, this Lions team, you put points up on them, and they're coming off a bye week, off a tough loss, but a close game. I'm just not ready to say that they've turned the corner. So that's definitely a matchup that I'm looking at. I I also, you know, I I wonder a little bit. Montreal's defensive group has started to come around, so I don't think they're, you know, week four or five in that area. Yeah, you could have been picking on them a little bit. Not anymore. I think that Montreal defense is pretty solid. So I, I don't... I don't know if I see this as a high-scoring game. I see Montreal being able to put some numbers up, though. And, yeah, definitely Alouettes or whether it's Eugene Lewis or uh, some of the other receivers that you might point to in Montreal. Like, Lewis is in my lineup right now, but you could look at a number of different areas and and like what you have to see with the Alouettes. So I, I do think Montreal is a nice target this week in Week 13. I don't know if I'm there yet with Vernon Adams Jr. to be able to say this is a team I trust to go out there and put up big points. I I really liked him as a value pick. And when some of those salaries were lower, yeah, I was all over that, including William Stanback. They're all getting pretty high now. And Vernon Adams Jr., he's not on the cheap end of the quarterbacks anymore. I want to see him put together back-to-back uh, complete game efforts, even against the Argos. He had a rough first half in that game, right? He came on in the second half, although a really strong second half was enough for him to put up big points, and that's what you can get from Vernon Adams. He's but. up over 20 points in five of his last six games. He's, I think he's proven more than enough to say he's the real deal. I'm not talking about his fantasy scores, though. I'm talking about his performance on the field. That, that game against Toronto... That was a tale of two halves. I'm just saying consistency from throw to throw. Sometimes he's off target. Not, not the most accurate quarterback in the CFL. I think Devon Claybrook's coming off a bye, a little bit of extra time to scheme. I, I'm not saying I hate the play. I'm just saying I'm not, I'm, not ready to, I'm not ready to throw the kitchen sink at the Montreal Alouettes. I'm not, I'm not ready to go that far and completely fill my lineup with Alouettes, especially after what that Lions defense did to Dane Evans last time out. Okay, well, here's where I pause with the Alouettes because I got burned, a lot of people got burned. William Stanback listed at the top of the death chart and then really didn't do much. Jeremiah Johnson got almost all of the carries. He's had an extra bye week to get healthy. Are you thinking about him? Because I'm bitter. If a guy burns me, I stay away for at least a few weeks. <laughs> You're not like me going back to Deron Carter every single week and Mike Riley every single week nope. in the first half of the season? Nope. Jeremiah Johnson is the one that's forcing the issue here with William Stanback because he's showing that he's got a little bit left in the tank. And early in the season, he was a reserve every week. When, when Ryder Stone was the backup, you're saying, hey, I'm okay with that because that means William Stanback's getting all the touches. But Jeremiah Johnson's been good as a change of pace back. And even if William Stanback gets back to 100% right now coming off the bye, which I'm sure he's getting to that point now, 
I mean, he played in their, their most recent game. Even if that's the case, you start to wonder if Jeremiah Johnson cuts into a bit of that workload as a change of pace back and how effective he's been. Because the Alouette's offense was really good when, when Jeremiah Johnson was running the ball the way he was. So that's where I stand with that. I'm a little bit scared to take William Stanback right now. Especially at that price, because I'm, I'm with you. Like, I believe William Stanback, from just a straight-up talent perspective, is one of the best running backs, top two, three running back in the CFL, no questions asked. The problem is... It's worked well with Johnson being a part of it, too. And if you're that Alouette's team, if you're Kahari Jones, why would you be going away from a running game that's working and you can diversify your offense a little bit? You can go with that thunder and lightning approach and 100% stand back. He's still going to be the guy who's going to be bowling linebackers over and you're going to be using him in some of those straight ahead plays. But if you've got a second and six and you're, you're looking at a little bit of a different look, well, now all of a sudden Johnson in the backfield gives you that ability to uh, a little speed, little burst, catching balls out of the backfield. So I, I like the look of Montreal's offense with both Standback and Johnson. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm especially at that price. I'm a little leery of Standback here because I don't know if he's going to be getting 90, 95% of the touches anymore. One more part on the receivers. They added Chris Matthews, probably won't play this week, but Montreal still has Devere Posey, Quandre, Eugene Lewis. Pat, you said Lewis is in your lineup right now. Jeff, who do you like of those three, or are there multiple? That's a good haul. Imagine if they still have B.J. Cunningham. Those are good receivers in Montreal. That's a good group. That's a really underrated group, although um, the secret's, secret's out, right? I, I, I still like Quan Bray. I think, I think at his price tag, uh, he's going to be the most efficient fantasy option of that group. Love the talent there, and he seems to have that rapport with Vernon Adams. Devere Posey as well. I mean, I could go along with any of those three guys. If I'm ranking them, I'm going Bray, Posey, and and Eugene Lewis based on their price tags and based off uh, their sample size and what they've done so far this season. What I like about Lewis is that it looks like Vernon Adams has really started to trust him more in recent games. And I think it was all part of the feeling out process. But I think that Adams looks at at Lewis as a really good breakaway target, a reliable target if you're looking to just keep the chains moving. But he's had two really strong games in a row. And I think that you're starting to see Vernon Adams trust him in big play situations and in ball possession situations a little bit more. So I think for me, Lewis is at the top of the list because I don't mind that price tag at just under $7,100. I think that you're you're starting to get a really nice floor established for Lewis in Montreal. All right. It's not a secret that the Lions' O-line has needed some help. They're making some changes. O-line coach gets a switch. Kelly Bates is in. Does it matter? Can he do enough to make something of this O-line? Because that is clearly a position they need to improve greatly at this point. I feel a little bad for Brian Chu, who's the who's the outgoing guy. Like I and and look, this whole BC coaching staff, Tavon Claybrooks took a very interesting approach in hiring his staff. A lot of first-time coaches and and yes, he brought in Rich Stubler to be kind of that that veteran coach, but a lot of these guys first-time coaches. I feel bad for Chu. I don't 
necessarily think that the offensive line issues that BC has had this year comes down to, well, their old line coach isn't coaching them right, and they're blocking with their uh, backs turned to the play. It's like, I, I, don't, I don't think that's the case. I, I think that Chu is a victim of a bad year. The O-line is an easy place to blame, and BC probably had to make a move to save some face because it's been such a frustrating year for them. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't know if a new O-line coach comes in and all of a sudden I think Mike Riley's going to be protected like he should be. This is a guy who's getting hurried double digits a game. It's six, seven, eight sacks a game. This O-line's a problem, and, and I'm not sure Kelly Bates taking over for Brian Chu is going to change much. I still have got a lot of issues with that BC offense, and I just don't trust them, and their suspect O-line is the number one reason. I agree with you there. I think that Brian Chu is a bit of a fall guy. When you're putting up sack numbers like you are, though, and you've got Mike Riley as your quarterback who you've put so much money in and is pretty much the face of the Canadian Football League, uh, someone, unfortunately, is going to have to take the blame. And it's not Mike Riley. It's easier than shuffling the whole deck on the O-line and maybe, maybe a different voice for the BC Lions and for that group up front can do a little bit of good. And I, and I know that it's always easier to change a coach than a whole group. I've seen it before where one, one minor coaching tweet can make a difference. It happened a couple of years ago uh, with the Argos when they won the Grey Cup. They changed their O-line coach midseason. When they brought in Jonathan Heimbuck that year, that's when James Wilder took off and had his best season, and the Argos all of a sudden went on a run and started winning games. I'm not saying that's entirely the reason, but sometimes these minor tweaks can help. Look, it's probably a lost season at this point for the BC Lions. No one's talking about playoffs for this team. They need to start evaluating things and starting to think about what they want to do for next year. Mike Riley's obviously going to be a part of that. They need to figure out their O-line and, and get that together now. So if they, can, if they can make this tweak and see some positive gains from that, that'll give them a lot of momentum for the rest of the season and heading into next year, for sure. These Lions are 1-9. and nine. Are you looking at anyone on the Lions to have in your starting lineup? Eh. Eh. Not really. Eh. Eh. I, yeah, like, I like Montreal, too. <laughs> Montreal's at home. That's a team that is growing, and that defense has taken some big strides. I don't like this matchup for BC going all the way out east having to take on a good Montreal team and an Owls team that's really starting to find their stride defensively. So, no, I'm not overly interested in a lot of BC Lions this week. Yeah, I'm having a hard time with it. Just too many question marks. And I'm like Hannah. I'm a little bitter. They've burned me a few times this year, more than a few times. We'll put it, we'll put it that way. I mean, even Brian Burnham, if you're, you're paying such a high salary to get him and just other guys at his price level at that wide receiver one spot are more appealing to me right now. Another team having trouble racking up the wins is the Argos, but McLeod Bethel-Thompson still putting up some pretty good numbers in fantasy. Last four games, nine touchdowns, zero interceptions with two or more touchdowns in all four and 300-plus yards in three of them. He seems to be legit, at least fantasy-wise. Are you looking at him as a play this week? I like what I'm seeing, and we talked about it briefly last week. I even thought about taking him in that matchup with the Ticats, but I got cold feet at the last minute. But McLeod Bethel-Thompson's doing good things. I really think that the consistency 
is putting him at that higher end of the spectrum right now as far as fantasy quarterbacks go. That and game script because the Argos are playing comeback in a lot of these games, having to come from behind. They're throwing a lot of passes. He's got the weapons there, good receiving core. You talk about Darrell Walker. You talk about Rodney Smith. The growth that we've seen from McLeod Bethel-Thompson is definitely noteworthy. Hannah talked about the numbers in the last four games. Uh, It's night and day versus what he was doing earlier in the season and last year. And I think something's starting to click there. I think McLeod Bethel-Thompson is looking like a quarterback that should be a starter in this league, not just this season, but uh, for the foreseeable future uh, for any team that needs a quarterback, whether it's the Argos or someone else. I wrote about this on on the uh, Monday morning quarterback, which this week was on Tuesday. But um, yeah, I, I he's been one of the lone bright spots in Toronto this year, and he's put himself in the conversation where I don't think the Argos should be looking at him as a stopgap anymore. For the longest time, it's like yeah, we'll put him in, but he's not the guy that we're going to go with going forward. We got Franklin, or we just traded for Caleros, or maybe there's somebody else. Well, right now, McLeod Bethel-Thompson is playing some really consistent football. And I think you have to look at him as the front runner to be their starting quarterback in 2020. That's what it's all about now for the Argos. They got to be looking ahead and setting their sights on 2020 and making decisions that impact 2020. And that's why I think Bethel Thompson needs to keep on starting games until he shows us otherwise that he doesn't belong starting games. The other thing I like right now about Bethel Thompson and his fantasy value, like his price, I think he's around $9,200. That's, that's not a bad price. I mean, it's, it's a fair price for a quarterback who's thrown for a lot of yards and a lot of touchdowns what I like is that he's using Darrell Walker and he's using him as the primary target he knows that he's got an elite receiver that can break away from coverage can gain plenty of yards after initial contact like you're talking about one of the best in the CFL so I really like that about what I'm seeing from Bethel Thompson too is that he's using his best weapon and using him often I mean I'm with you there I think this is starting to look like your starter in 2020 unless uh, a guy like Nick Arbuckle becomes an option, Uh, one of these young up-and-coming starters that you can say, yeah, this is a top prospect that's going to be a star for us for for a really long time. Those guys are hard to get your hands on. And, uh, you know, barring that, I really do think, I agree with you, Pat, I I think McLeod Bethel-Thompson is definitely a front-runner for that spot next year. As I was driving across the country, I made a stop in Winnipeg on Friday and I was talking to my brother-in-law and my nephew, who are both big fans of CFL Fantasy, friends of the podcast, and they told me, we've got all Argos in our lineup. They loaded up and they were both close to the top of our our weekly frontrunners this week. So they've caught on. I think the prices are starting to catch on, but a stack like... Bethel Thompson and Walker would have gotten you a ton of points. The problem with Walker is that he's been kind of feast or famine. You could get 40 points or you could get five points. Are you nervous about that? Like, I I don't think he's in my lineup just for the potential of getting next to nothing. It's driving me insane. I'm telling you. Just Just like Greg Ellingson. Every time I take Greg Ellingson, he does nothing. And the two games he's had 38 points, close to 40 points, haven't touched him. Thought about Darrell Walker this past week, went with Greg Ellingson instead, didn't like it, didn't like it, that didn't go well wrong, for that me. Was the it's wrong not working choice. for me this year. That was the wrong choice. It's funny because 
I hear you. Like, Darrell Walker definitely has that feast or famine, more so than a lot of the other high-end receivers do. Like, I think when you're talking about Reggie Bagleton or talking about the Edmonton receivers, you, you've got a little bit more of an established floor that you're comfortable with. What I like about Darrell Walker this week and why maybe he might make an appearance later on in the podcast is because well, I like the spoiler matchup. Spoiler alert! It's called foreshadowing. It's uh, we're, we're building action. Uh, I just like the matchup. I, I think that this is a winnable game for Toronto. There have not been a lot of winnable games for the Argos this year, but I don't trust either defense right now. I see this being very similar in a lot of ways to the Labor Day game between the Argos and the, and the Ticats. I think there's going to be points. I think there's going to be yards. I think there's going to be an aerial display. And that's why I'm looking at Jonathan Jennings, uh, McLeod Bethel-Thompson, Darrell Walker. Like, I, I think there's going to be points. And if it's going to be a high-scoring aerial game, then Darrell Walker has to be in the conversation. I get that he's been feast or famine, but I think odds are – Odds would be pointing favorably that this would be another one of his feast weeks. I don't know if he's going to go off for 200-plus yards again, but if you can get a touchdown and 140 from Darrell Walker, you'll be feeling pretty good about spending $9,000 on him. One more note on this matchup. We said that Jennings is getting the start. A lot of targets for Dominique Grimes and Brad Sinopoli from Jennings last week. Does that help their fantasy value, or are we sticking on the uh, Argo side of the ball here? I'm really interested in Dominique Grimes. I I thought he's shown uh, some chemistry with Jennings. Jennings has the strong arm, willing to be vertical, which I I think Jonathan Jennings needs to be. He has to be willing to go down the field because that's his biggest strength. That's what he did when he was averaging over nine yards per attempt his first two years in the league with the BC Lions. Right? Teams defenses had to be fearful of his arm and plan uh, for him attacking downfield and being aggressive. So I think Dominique Rimes could really play into this. Uh, still like Caleb Hawley, been really disappointed with his contribution so far this year. I uh, want to see him get a little bit more involved. I know he's been uh, a money pick on this show uh, multiple times from, from uh, either one of us. Um, and RJ Harris barely targeted last game. Really good receiver that I think gets separation. Uh, He was fun to watch last year with Trevor Harris uh, and at times early this year. The receivers are there in Ottawa. If I'm looking from a fantasy perspective, though, I I am zeroing in on Dominique Rimes this week. He'd be a guy I would like in my lineup. Brad Sinopoli seems to... He's kind of gotten lost in the shuffle this year with all of what has gone down in in Ottawa. It's been a rough year for the Red Blacks after a nice start. It's kind of fallen off a little bit, but you know that Sinopoli is still as good as they come. I just he's he's tough at that price tag to put into your lineup knowing that you just don't know how many looks he's going to get and how many good looks the Red Blacks are going to get, period, in a game. So it's too bad. I feel bad for Sinopoli because he's such a talented receiver. All right. Banjo Bowl this week, one of my favorite weeks of the year. And I was actually at the Labor Day Classic this year. I finally got to see it from uh, the greener side of life. It was a ton of fun. I had a really good time. So rematch time. This one's in Winnipeg. Does, Does home advantage matter in this series? Because normally you see the noise get to these guys, but didn't really happen last game. Well, you tell us. You were You were there. It must have made a difference for the Bombers and Riders in this most recent game. I mean, Winnipeg never seems to win that first game. That's true, but but you kind of think about, you know, 
how many times did they have trouble getting the snap off? And I'm pretty sure the only one who took a penalty was Fajardo. Pretty sure there was only one. So they're at least dealing with that part of it. I thought it was going to be a blowout. I thought that Sask was going to put up way more points in this one. I'm surprised that it took them until the last play of the game to sneak by with a win against a team that had no Andrew Harris and no Matt Nichols. I give that Bombers defense a ton of credit for what they did in that game because they uh, they made life extremely difficult. on and, and you know what? Sask is full marks for the win. They deserved the win. And, and that was a nice final drive with Cody Fajardo going five for five and William Powell busting off a couple of big runs. But I thought that was a really good performance from Winnipeg's defense and one that shows you that that could be a championship caliber defense because they were still able to do that without Harris and without Nichols. And saying that, is, is home field factoring into my mindset? Not so much. Like I, I had Shaq Evans last week, and, and Evans had himself a good game. I would be just as comfortable taking Shaq Evans in the rematch as I was last week. For different reasons, Evans isn't in my lineup this week. But, you know, if you were thinking about Kyron Moore or Shaq Evans last week, I don't think you should shy away from that this week just because the Bombers are the home team as opposed to Saskatchewan. And I want to give the Bombers full credit for making that game a fight because, like Hannah said, Hannah was expecting that game to be a blowout. I was kind of expecting something along the same lines, and I was a little disappointed with what the Riders put together in that game. The fact that they could have taken a big lead in the first half, and they just didn't get it done on offense. Cody Fajardo came through in the end. I thought this was sort of a defining moment for Cody Fajardo. Coming through in the clutch, completed all five of his passes in that final drive. Uh, you're talking about Labor Day. Uh, you're backed up in the shadow of your own goalpost. Uh, by far the biggest game of your career. Everyone says, eh, you haven't beaten any good opponents yet. Okay, you're facing the Bombers defense now uh, with a deficit. He grew up a little bit there. Cody Fajardo went from that unproven third-string quarterback to, to being the big guy in Sask. And he flexed his muscles a little bit and... and made the most of that moment. He sees the spotlight. As a team, though, I want to see the Riders. I want to see the Riders step it up in Winnipeg. I want to see what they can do on the road because I, I do think I do think home advantage does play into this. It's why the Riders have been so dominant in that first game of the home and home. And I, I want to I want to see the Riders play a better all-around game, a more consistent all-around game offensively in a really tough place to play with their young quarterback. I want to see him follow it up with something big. Fajardo got the win, but Strebler actually got the better point total in fantasy last week. I was a little bit disappointed with Fajardo under 13 points, one of his uh, worst weeks of the year. Do you look at Strebler over Fajardo? Maybe not because of home field advantage, but just because of the points that he can get largely from his feet. I don't know if I'm really interested in either quarterback this week, and that's not a knock on Fajardo because he's been really good and really consistent, and and I still think that he'll have himself a fine game, and I'm a little less uh, confident about Streveler and and him as a pure passer right now, but I just... This one looks like another low-scoring game. Like You're talking about two really good defenses, and that's the way the game script played itself out in the first game on Sunday. Like This looks like it's got a really tight, low-scoring feel to it once again. I could absolutely see a very similar rematch between these two teams on Friday. On Saturday, rather. 
Well, I'll tell you this much before we move on, Hannah. Players from this game are being picked. The most chosen player this week so far in week 13, Johnny Augustine, number one, after his performance. Uh, Shaq Evans, the number three guy. Uh, and then you have to go down the list a little bit. People are buying people are buying low on Naaman Roosevelt after he came up with a big performance last week. Uh, Cody Fajardo, still the second most chosen quarterback this week. Uh, and Chris Trevler's up there too. He's in the top half of the quarterbacks chosen. So people are still liking this Winnipeg-Sask matchup, even with the defenses. Me personally, the only one I've got for sure from these two teams in my lineup is probably the Riders' defense because while they got 10 points last week, I still like that matchup with Chris Trevler. I still think the Riders' defense is going to make life uh, pretty difficult for a young quarterback that relies a little bit too much on his legs. I will say the only one I have in my lineup is Johnny Augustine. Still $4,500. He put up 15 points last week. I know it could be a bit of a share, but he got those extra points through the air as well. So I really like that as a as a buy low candidate at running back. Jeff, do you want to say this headline again? Because I know it's your favorite. It's all caps. There's an exclamation mark. Go ahead. Business is booming in Bageltown. What a headline. Also, I've been scrutinized often over the course of my life over the way I say Bagel, bagel, bagel. I'm so self-conscious about it. Last week, uh, we debated over the number one option in Calgary's offense. Eric Rogers versus Reggie Bagleton. I don't think there's any debate anymore. Is there? No. Reggie Bagleton is the number one receiver in, in Calgary. There's, there's no doubt about it. And I think that Bo Levi Mitchell will keep on looking at Eric Rogers at different times in the red zone, especially when you're talking about the field shrinking and you know you're you're going first and goal from the nine. Yeah, I think that Eric Rogers will still be a target for him. But right now, Reggie Bagleton is an elite receiver in this league. Both Nick Arbuckle and Bo Levi Mitchell trust him, and I think he is by a significant margin at this point the number one receiver guy. Guy's a beast, and that touchdown catch he reeled in. That was perfect execution on quarterback and receiver in the Labor Day Classic. And, and what Bagleton did to go up and fight for that ball and, and reel it into the end zone, that's, that's the type of stuff you want from your number one receiver. What is it about Eric Rodgers this season? Because I was pretty high on Reggie Bagleton coming into the season. I have been uh, since, he, since the first time he got into a lineup. But I could not have foreseen this. Both Bagleton and what he's done and Eric Rodgers because 471 yards in 10 games. That is very unlike Eric Rodgers. Six touchdowns, which is good through 10 games. The, the, the touchdowns are there. But the receptions and the yardage, th- those numbers are down. And for a receiver who I had as one of the three most dominant, and I, I don't even, you don't even have to call it best. You could say dominant, physically dominant that can win those one-on-one battles, that can get open, that can take over a game by himself. I had Eric Rodgers up there with the best of them. So for me, it's I just feel like I keep wanting to go back to him, waiting for one of those monster games. What's missing from him this season? I don't know. And I know that he had a, a, 
a big run down the stretch last year and had some big games. I still don't know if he's been the same since that injury. I really don't. And and I think that, you know, for a guy who was thinking about retiring uh, prior to this season and definitely toyed with that thought, I just don't think he's as explosive as he once was. He's still reliable. He's still got great hands. But I think that's the, the biggest issue right now. And, and I think that's what has allowed a guy like Bagleton to, to really walk through the door and and take over as this team's number one receiver. At running back, Don Jackson caught a few people, almost caught me. I managed to check my lineup right before the game started and noticed he was out. I snuck Kadeem Carey in my lineup, and I wasn't disappointed. Uh, Relatively cheap, putting up good numbers. He's still under $5,400. Are we good with riding with this guy? He's done nothing but impress me so far. He's in my lineup. I'm good with it. He looked awesome. Yeah, he looked awesome. He's in mine too. He just I, I, I was really surprised by what's happened this year. I thought Don Jackson and, and I think Pat, you also had really high expectations for Don Jackson this season. But to me there's no more question. Kadeem Carey uh, is the guy that the Calgary Stampeders need to run with. And as long as he's reasonably priced uh, and it's not a really difficult matchup like against the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, uh, I like Carey in my lineup. He's just fast, he's explosive. And he carried that offense last weekend. He really did. I mean, Bo made some great throws. Reggie Bagleton had a great game. But the Stamps ground game was back. And that had a really big part in Calgary's victory uh, over an Edmonton team that could just never really get it going. The the only thing that I would add as a caveat to that is the Stampeders still really like the way Jackson adds to uh, their blocking game. They really like how he's able to help in pass protection and to have him out there on on plays like that. Uh, yeah, and I don't think that they want to all of a sudden start telegraphing it where, well, when Jackson's not out, that means that they're going to run the ball. So I still think Don Jackson is is a viable part of this Stampeders offense when he's healthy, but he's had a tough time staying healthy this year. And Kadeem Carey had an outstanding week against the Eskimos. And don't don't discount the fact that Bo Levi Mitchell was back in too, and I think that helped with this team's running game. While Nick Arbuckle was starting, the offensive line of the Stampeders started to take some strides, take some strides, take some strides, but the one thing that was missing, and this is not a criticism of Arbuckle because he's a new quarterback and he's still trying to find his legs, but the one thing that was missing in Calgary's attack with Arbuckle is a real explosive downfield presence. I think Arbuckle was a little nervous, and the Stampeders were a little nervous to push the ball downfield because they didn't want to turn the ball over. Well, with Bo, that's part of his game, and we saw it. He almost converted on that big reception with Ambles, uh, the nice play to Sindani, and and even the Bagleton play was a, a pretty nice long reception. So so I think that I think that having a deep threat back has opened up Calgary's running game a little bit. So whoever's on top of the depth chart for week 13, I think is going to have a nice week. And, and if it's Kadeem Carey, and, and if we're talking about Carey uh, being the guy going forward, I think that he's set up for a whole lot more success now with their number one quarterback back. On the other side of the ball, that back-to-back last game of the week is the Eskimos. And they've been really frustrating at times because even though they're the top-ranked offense and top-ranked defense, they're just 6-5. and five. They only put up 9 points last week. Not great for anyone with Eskimos in their lineup. So what's the issue here? What's going on? I don't know. I don't know. And, and Jeff, you've heard me talk about it. Like, 
I've been saying for weeks that I think this is the best all-round team in the CFL. They're, uh, they, they've got the number one passing offense. They've got a good rushing attack. They've got the number one pass defense. They've been decent against the run and got torched for more than 200 yards against the Stampeders on Monday. I don't know. I don't know. Is, is it a... Trevor Harris not being able to get the job done in the red zone? Is it a scheme thing? Is it a play-calling thing once they're inside the 20? Because this team moves the ball sometimes with ease between the 20s, and all of a sudden they get within the shadow of the end zone, and it's field goal after field goal after field goal. So I don't, ha- I really don't have an answer. They should have a better record than 6-5, and five, but the fact of the matter is they don't. So... Fantasy-wise, there's still plenty of intriguing options. Gable's an intriguing option on a week-to-week basis. Those three receivers are always very, very intriguing options. But on the field, looking at that 6-5 and five record, it's, it's tough to wrap your head around. I have a lot of respect for C.J. Gable. So, and I, I don't know if you know where I'm going with this, but I think he's a really solid all-around back, a good blocking back. I think we need to start seeing a little bit of Shaq Cooper in that offense. I really do. He's so explosive, and I think that's an element that they're missing a little bit from that attack. We saw it when they played the Argos, albeit, uh, yeah, the Argos are a basement dweller. But Shaq Cooper, just having that explosiveness from the running back position, you lose a little bit there because C.J. Gable being such a great all-around back, great as a a pass catcher, great as a blocker. Uh, He's a veteran. He's experienced. But having that running back that's a home run threat, it seems, every single play, and what you could do with that in the red zone as well, to me, that's, that's an answer. To me, that's an answer. I'm not saying it's a cure-all, but I think it could help. I don't know. Other than that, I don't know. Because you've got all those good receivers. You'd think when you get in the red zone, I mean, whether it's the, the three-headed monster there, that's the best in the CFL right now. You can talk about Calgary when Kamar Jordan gets back. But that's that in Edmonton, that three-headed monster at receiver of Ricky Collins, Tavares Daniels, and, and Greg Ellingson, that's the best in the league. Nothing's touching that right now. Mm-hmm. Trevor Harris, I mean, he's accurate. He's a good thrower. There's no reason the Edmonton Eskimos shouldn't be scoring in the red zone. I think there's, there's, there's some sort of disconnect when it comes to the scheme as well and, and the play calling. And, and I'm... This is a really interesting matchup because you're going up against a Stampeders team that held you to nine points on Labor Day. Now you're back home. I think Trevor Harris's longest pass or longest reception was 34 yards uh, on, on Monday on Labor Day. And it was just... The Stampeders gave them nothing. It was over the middle for six, over the middle for five, over the middle for seven. Like It was nothing but short dink and dunk passes all game long. I'm curious to see if Jason Moss and Trevor Harris think about trying to take true deep shots and and make it so they stretch the field a little bit more. That's why I think Tavon Smith is a really interesting uh, play this week, and I think those big three receive like Tavon Smith is interesting because he's such a big play threat, he's such a burner. So if they do try to stretch it deep, he's a candidate for a 75-yard touchdown. And then when you're talking about Collins and Ellingson and Daniels, yeah, I think that they might try a couple of deeper shots. This is a really interesting. I'm not super confident starting any of those three high-priced receivers because it seems like one of them is always the odd man out and it was such a tough slog for the passing game on Monday for the Eskimos but I am interested to see if Edmonton tries to push the ball downfield a little bit more all right I think that brings us to our three minute warning three minute warning now or is it it is the warning 
where we make our money picks, our locks of the week. And it's not a Monday, so it should be a little bit easier to lock somebody in. Let's start with our money picks, though. Pat, who's your money pick for week 13? Well, it is a tough one. It's, it's getting harder to find really solid money picks, but I'm going to pretend I'm Jeff Creever this week. Uh, I, I'm, I'm going to go Deron Carter. Uh, I think that you're still talking about a guy that has got raw talent, and, and I think we are starting to talk about him and BC is knocking on the door to last chance territory. So uh, I, there's, there's a couple of intriguing options. Carter's one of them, uh, and I think with the way Montreal plays defensively, Carter might be in line for uh, a couple of touches just in the PPR game like I don't know if we're going to be talking about a 90 plus yard game from Carter but if he can catch five passes for 48 yards or something like that you're probably okay with that price tag so I got Deron Carter uh, as kind of a nice possession option as my money pick this week Christian Jones is my money pick this week I think the Eskimos need to get that secondary option involved in the ground game Uh, I expressed my hope of getting Shaq Cooper in there if that doesn't happen I think they need to get Jones some touches offensively. He's an elite returner. He's due for a big one. The Asks haven't done it yet. I think it's time for Christian Jones to make a really big play and make an impact in a game where the Eskimos need someone else to step up and provide a big play. All right, and I'm going to go with a $2,500 player, Kenny Lawler. I know we've picked him before in the money pick range, but he was actually the Bombers' leading receiver last week with 15 points. Only $2,500. He's been up around and over 15 twice this year. If Strebler likes something about Lawler, there might be something there going forward. So for $2,500, might be worth a flyer. Locks of the week. It's Wednesday. I know we complain about locking a guy in on a Monday, Jeff. So here you go. It's a Wednesday. Who are you locking in? I got to change up my strategy because the locks just aren't working. Money picks are fine. Locks aren't working. I'm going to give a little bit of value with my lock. Someone who's a little bit cheaper, but I think can really exceed his valued salary this week. And that's Quan Bray with the Montreal Alouettes. Talked about him earlier. He's a great receiver. He's got it all. He's got the skill set to be dominant in this league. Uh, he gets open. And he's got the rapport with Vernon Adams. Big play VA likes him. I think Quan Bray's got a touchdown in him this week. Uh, it's a good matchup against the BC Lions. Look for that. Uh, look for that Quan Bray to lead that team in receiving. I, I think Walker is in line for another really big game against the suspect Ottawa defense. McLeod Bethel Thompson trusts him. He's targeting him. He's throwing for yards. I think Walker's in line for another. Is it going to be as big as what he did against Hamilton on Labor Day? Well, that's tough to repeat. Is it going to be enough to justify a $9,000 salary? I think so. I got Darrell Walker as my lock of the week. Ooh, you guys both named players that I currently have in my lineup. Uh, one guy that I trust a lot, uh, enough to put him and a bunch of his receivers in my lineup, Vernon Adams Jr. His price tag is just up over $10,000 now, so he's not cheap anymore. Uh, But I think he's going to be worth the $10,000 this week. I've got Vernon Adams Jr. locked into my lineup. That's sort of been a theme for him. He just shows up this week, starting running back again after all that trade speculation. Runs for, what, like 16 yards or something like that, or 12 yards? And we don't even mention him on the podcast, so... 
Whatever became of James Wilder Jr., I guess. Any chance he bounces back this week against Ottawa? Is anybody willing to spend $9,000 on James Wilder Jr. right now? Like, that's a big-time gamble. Seven carries, 16 yards against the Ticats. 2.3 yards per carry. He's averaging 3.7 yards per carry on the season. You might as well take the $9,000 of your budget and light it on fire if you're going to get that type of return. Ah. From Harsh words. So, yeah. Just just that particular game. I'm All not right. saying every All right. game, just that particular That's game. That's fair. Was not a good use was, of your ninth. It wasn't a good game. He did he did have five catches though. It's true. It's tough. Guy is still an absolute beast of an athlete, but it's just for whatever reason. It's not working in Toronto right now. We'll see. We'll see what the Argos can do against Ottawa. That is one of the four games in Week 13. Uh, BC in Montreal kicks it off. Saskatchewan, Winnipeg, and then finishing off a Saturday triple header is Calgary and Edmonton. That'll do it for the Week 13 edition of the CFL Fantasy Podcast. Projections, projections, get them while they're hot. They're here at CFL.ca from Daily Roto, along with all your other lineup tools for week 13 do your homework don't get caught with a scratch in your lineup you don't want that zero and uh while you're at it swing by the waggle presented by sport clips david sanchez donovan bennett uh getting you ready with all the cool storylines for week 13 and don't forget to subscribe and listen to us every week we're on google play itunes spotify or you can listen to us right on cfl.ca the cfl fantasy podcast is presented by our friends at leo vegas don't forget to follow along on twitter at fan 960 steinberg at hl nordman and at jeff Creever. We will talk to you in week 14. Enjoy your four games in week 13 with a couple of Labor Day rematches sprinkled in to finish it off. We'll talk to you next week. It's been another edition of the CFL Fantasy Podcast. <laughs>